Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Your Daily Drive is the podcast where I put my article content in audio format so that you can listen on the run. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. You can get them, download them, listen to them on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Tuned In Radio, Podbean, SoundCloud, you can also listen from our website. If you ever need any help with that, just uh, hit our support link, our content uh, contact link on our website. And so I, ha- I, I don't know how to work this. Uh, we do have a particular demographic who is technologically challenged in some ways, as they tell me that. And we would love to serve you to help you so that you can benefit from our resources. But again, thank you so much for joining me. This is June 2018. This is Pride Month. Do you know what that means when you hear that? What comes to your mind? Pride Month is the month that our gay culture celebrates their lifestyle. Now let me ask you a question when you hear what I just said. What does come to your mind? What are you thinking about? How are you responding? What kind of attitude that you have? Is it fearful? Is it anger? Is it something else? Well, I want to talk about that in this podcast. I hope it will help you. I hope it will help us Christians because there is a growing hostility between the Christian culture and the LGBTQ culture, our homosexual culture that's out there. It's one of the more sensitive issues today that should cause a heightened awareness for Christians to guard their attitudes regarding how we all respond to this problem. The title of the podcast is, The Gay Guy Said, I Was Born This Way. If you want to read this, you're welcome to do that. It's a long-form article, over 2,000 words. It's on the website. You can get it, the same title. You can just type in gay. That will work. It'll get you to this article, plus a few others that I have on this topic. And I appeal to you to read it. And if you have any questions about it, please go to our forums. We have community forums that you are welcome to jump on, fill out your username and password, and that will give you a unique identification on our website. It will keep bots away from us and spam, you know, similar to what you do with Facebook and other media platforms. You have to get a username and password, and it's a security measure. And so once you do that, but there's no cost for that, and then once you do it, you can ask your questions on our forums. That is the only place on the Internet where we interact with people because of the hundreds of thousands of people that come to us. We can't be everywhere (laughs) all the time. We're not an omnipresent ministry as far as our staff is concerned, and so we can only interact on our forums. Thank you for understanding that, and thank you for those of you who are on our forums. Every day people are asking questions, and it's our joy and privilege to come along Side you. Let's get into this article here. Again, the title of it is The Gay Guy Said, I Was Born This Way. Now, I want to begin by laying a foundation for us Christians because it is important that we guard our attitudes regarding how we 
respond to this problem, specifically how we respond to this demographic, this growing. It's a, it's a small demographic. It's really small. But if you spend any time on social media, you would think it's one of the largest demographics in America, but it's tiny, but they do have a large megaphone. And of course, that megaphone is through social media, also through our news. And so I want to build a foundation. I want to ease into this by talking about our attitudes toward uh, people who are stuck in sin. And I think it's imperative that we follow Paul's advice. That would be wise especially when interacting with the gay culture. And one of the first verses that comes to mind is Galatians 6.1. He said, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... Now, anyone is universal, and any transgression is also universal, so it comprehends everything. But he's talking to you and me. He says, Brothers... If anyone, if any person that you know is caught in any kind of a sin, you who are spiritual, and he really dials in on this idea, you who are spiritual is a synonym to brothers, how he opened up this verse. You who have the Spirit is what he's saying. You are spiritual. The natural man doesn't understand the things of God. The natural man doesn't have the Spirit. The people who are spiritual and Paul's verse here, are Christians. So he says, brothers, if, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who have the Spirit, you who are spiritual, should restore him, kartetizo. You should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now, there's how we should go about helping fellow strugglers. We should do it in a spirit of gentleness. You can think about this in a a medical context. If someone came to you and they had a laceration on their body, you would want to restore them. You would want to stitch them up and take care of them in a gentle way because they have a problem and they they need your care, but you definitely want to be gentle. Now, he adds another sentence to this verse. He says, keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Now, that's the big problem And depending on what the sin issue is that we're talking about in this podcast, we're talking about the gay problem, the gay sin. You can be easily tempted. In our Christian culture, that issue is one of the issues that causes a visceral reaction from the Christian community, and that's where I want to call all of us to be careful as to how we interact with those who are caught in sin, specifically the sin of homosexuality. Paul was asking us to watch ourselves when interacting with anyone that sin has captured. His point is obvious. If you do not watch yourself, you will be tempted to sin in response to those who are trapped who are in the trap of sin. Have you done that before? Well, of course you have. We all have done that. The most common way that happens is someone sins against you and you respond sinfully to their sin. And Paul is saying that we need to watch ourselves. Now, you're not going to do this perfectly, but you do need to be aware of this. And when you do sin in response to sin, you need to clean up your mess. You You need to take care of what you did so that you can get back on this idea of restoring that person in a gentle way. 
Isn't that the case with any problem? I mean, don't the sin of others easily tempt you? It most certainly has been the case with me. I feel the force of sin's temptation as much as anyone, especially because I spend my life helping folks who have a hard time untangling themselves from their problems. I'm in the sin business. Sometimes when people come to me and say, hey, what are you doing? It depends on who it is and if I know them or not. I say, well, I'm in the sin business. That's what I do. And it's true. That's accurate. I am too familiar with the temptation of being self-righteous. That's a greater than, better than attitude, looking down on someone. Think about the Pharisee in the temple, looking down on the publican. That's what we're talking about with self-righteousness. And I'm familiar with the temptation of self-righteousness when people do not see things my way or refuse to change according to my expectations or timetable. I also understand how easy it is to judge others who sin differently from me. We tend to do that. I have counseled the gay person, the porn person, the crack person, the depressed person, and the gossiping person. And they all have the the same problem and that sin has captured them. It takes a lot of grace to overcome these sins and it takes a lot of patience to help restore the ensnared. Now, I do want you to make a distinction here as I talk about this. There's a difference between the consequences of sin and and the ontological reality of sin. I am talking about the ontological reality of sin, not the consequences. There are gradations of sin consequentially, and we, we know that. If you murder someone physically and if you yell at someone, consequentially, those are two different sins. And so I am not talking about that. And some will react to this podcast, and they will say, well, you know, homosexuality is is a more horrible sin. I understand what they're saying, but that's not what this podcast is about. Any sin will put Christ on the cross your little gossiping tongue or your little bad attitude tongue towards someone, that will put Christ on the cross. And so I'm not talking about the consequences of your sin. I'm I'm talking about the fact that in this context, all sin is the same. Now, my gratitude goes out for all all of those who are willing to navigate the choppy waters of sin with grace and courage. All of you who do that, especially on a regular basis, you disciplers out there, I am grateful that we can mortify self-righteousness, praise God, while coming alongside those who are stuck, especially those who struggle with same-sex issues. Part of the reason why you can come alongside them is that you understand how they are no different from you from a ontological sin perspective. This idea is a vital point in helping the gay community because they have been attacked by too many Christians as though their sin merits an extra thorn or two in Christ's crown. It does not. It makes no sense to me why some Christians are so hateful toward the gay community. Now, with that said... Each time I write on the gay issue or each time I do a podcast like what I'm doing here, I do receive a few 
hate reactions, whether it's email or social media, from a fraction of the gay community. Now, this podcast will be no different. I'll receive hate mail. And while some, though not all of these eight, uh, emails or notes, however they come to me, some of them do have angry tones, I do understand why. It's because they feel attacked, though I'm not attacking them. They feel as though I am. It is a challenge to bring honest, firm, gracious, and biblical observations to any people group who ties their identity to anything other than Christ. We see this also in the the racist culture that we have going on today, where people tie their identity to their skin color rather than tying their identity to Christ. And because the gay community has felt the sting and harshness of some unkind Christians, it's hard for them not to feel attacked when anyone calls their lifestyle a sin. The gays believe they are biblically right, and they bring their hermeneutic into how they interpret the Bible for those of them who care to use the Bible to justify what they do. And, of course, they say we do the same thing. We bring our hermeneutic into how we interpret the Bible, and guess what? They are right about that. I have a hermeneutic, which I do not hide or apologize for having. Now, while I'm not angry toward or uncharitably condemning the gay community, it is apparent to me that a gay or lesbian lifestyle it is a sin. And though we will not agree on this matter, by the grace of God, I, I do not plan on being disagreeable with them. And though I see their lifestyle as sin, it is equally valid when I look at or think about a gay person that I do not see someone worse than I am, apart from the grace of God. Now, this is so important. Whenever I counsel someone, gay or not, I try to be transparent with them at some point during the process about their sin. And though they, they may be living in a particular sinful lifestyle or caught by a sin, I do not see them as the worst sin, sinner in the room. This is an important issue with me. This is a sticking point. This worldview that I'm communicating here is not spiritualized nonsense or a counseling philosophy to make a person feel better about our time together. It seemed to be the position Paul took when he thought about his condition. He purposely, intentionally, never got over the depth of his sin, which is a good thing when understood biblically. Paul discerned, he appreciated, he maintained a biblical gap between what he was before Christ came to him and what he was after Christ came to him. He always remembered that gap, where he was when God found him and where God placed him in heavenly places. This kind of biblical self-awareness did two things for him. One, he never stopped rejoicing about the grace of God in his life. It's kind of what Jesus said. The person that is forgiven much rejoices much. One of the reasons we don't rejoice in our salvation is because we don't remember or know or we don't think about where we were and how bad we were. And then number two, he, he never saw himself as better than anyone else. From my perspective, there is no doubt as to who is the worst sinner that I've ever known. 
newsflash. It's not the gay person. Paul saw himself as the foremost sinner. You know the text, 1 Timothy 1, verse number 15. I understand why he saw himself that way. He put Jesus on the cross, the worst sin of all. It was my sin that put Christ on the tree, on Adam's tree, the cross of Christ. We all were unbelievers once upon a time, and because of our unbelief, Christ had to die to pay for our sin. A man or a woman who sees himself or herself as the worst of the worst, like Paul did, will have a hard time condemning another human being. This is what makes the self-esteem culture so heinous because the self-esteem culture is all about esteeming yourself. That wouldn't fly in Paul's theology. And though I see myself as the worst sinner in the room, it does not mean I cannot bring biblical observations to someone who is living in sin. If their lifestyle is held up to the light of Scripture and it is clear that they are sinning, now this is important. Just because you see yourself as the worst sinner in the room, some people would take the position, oh, you know, I'm just a sinner myself. Who am I to judge? And that's probably the most popular verse in the entire Bible, Matthew 7, 1, judge not lest you be judged. But just because you see yourself as what Paul said, 1 Timothy 1, 15, the chief or the foremost sinner, it doesn't mean you cannot bring biblical observations because if you don't bring biblical observations, you won't be able to do what he said to do in Galatians 6, 1, to restore people. You can never counsel, you can never disciple if you don't bring observations to people who are struggling with sin. As far as the gay lifestyle is concerned and God's view on that lifestyle, the Bible is quite clear. It's, it's no different from the Bible's perspective on my anger, on my laziness, on my anxiousness, or another person's stealing, murder, and lying. The Bible does not waver on God's view of such things. Now, one of the arguments that have been put forth in the gay community is Quote, I was born that way, end quote. And it's a strong argument. And truthfully, it could be an accurate argument. It could be that the gay guy was born with a temptation to be gay. That is not an argument I am willing to go to war over with anyone. Though God fearfully and wonderfully made us in his image, sin entered into us and death came by that sin, Romans 5.12. We're born in sin. We are all broken image bearers. Every person was born to be sinful. Nobody comes into the world sinless. But here's the thing. It's not the same kind of sin. It's not the same kind of sinful temptations that happen to all of us. If you have more than one child, you know this. They all sin differently. We are depraved entirely. We call it total depravity. Everybody is totally depraved. But here's the thing. Everybody is fallen uniquely. We're totally depraved. We're uniquely fallen. There is no escaping this biblical perspective. To say I was not born gay as though that gives me something to gloat about is intellectual dishonesty. I was born a sinner. That's like two bums arguing over how many holes they have in their clothes or how dirty their clothes are. Really? You are a bum. 
you would not want to parse out your bumness. Some people will try to press the issue further by saying it's about genetic determinism, which means there's no hope or grace for change because of preordained pre-wiring. There is no such thing as a gay gene. The only kind of genetic determinism I believe in, if you want to use that term, is that we are all determined to sin and to sin differently. Again, it does it matter in the context of what I'm saying here as to how we sin? Does it matter what kind of bum you are? We all are born into sin. We all are sinners. We all sin differently. We all need regeneration. And we all need to be progressively sanctified after we are born again. So you're saying the gay person can be born that way? Yes, why not? How were you born? Righteous, holy, sinless? I would say any person could be born with certain temptations, though no person is born with all evil temptations. For example, I've never been tempted to drink alcohol. I could build my house next to a bar or install a bar in my home, and it would not be a temptation for me because I do not like the taste of alcohol. And even as a weed-smoking teen, alcohol did not lure me. Remember what James said in 1, chapter 1, 14, 15? He said, each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Well, you see, I don't have a desire for alcohol, and so it doesn't lure me. And it says, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now, I'm not bragging about my lack of temptation to alcohol because there's nothing here worth boasting. That would be like bragging that I don't like mayonnaise. I don't like alcohol or mayonnaise because I was born that way. It's not a work of grace in my life at all. It's the way that I am. But the truth is I am tempted in other ways. I was born those ways to not sin or not give in to specific sins is a different fight than fighting against alcohol, which is no fight at all. Though I sin differently from you, I am not willing to say that my condition is just the way that I am. It's the way God made me. You need to quit condemning me because you're no better than I am. You're a hypocrite. Who are you to judge me for being this way when I have been doing it for as long as I can remember? There is no doubt God made me this way. Get a life, you narrow-minded bigot, end quote. Dear friends, we're all born that way, whatever way that may be. We're all our sinners in need of God's grace. He didn't come to save perfect sinless born people. He came to save and fix broken, sinful, bent, and worthless people. Read Romans 3, 10, 11, and 12. We all fit into this category. Gays and straights are all crooked. Do we have predispositions? Of course we do. We are predisposed to sin. We are born into sin. We sin, and we love our sin, at least for a season, we justify our sin. We sometimes even blame others for our wickedness. 
It is God's mercy to intervene in our lives and regenerate us so he can bring a process of change. God mercifully saves us from ourselves. In this sense, the straight guy, the gay guy, needs God's mercy and grace. This commonality is why I do not understand a Christian bashing a gay person. It misses the entire point of the gospel. A bum bashing a bum for being a bum is bumfoolery. It is self-righteous and theologically dishonest. A Christian who bashes a gay person has forgotten the gospel. Christ came to die for sinners so that they can be saved and sanctified. God has rescued the Christian from his sin, and when he gets heady, or cops a bad attitude toward a gay person, he has forgotten where God found him. Frankly, this is biblical ignorance. We need to pray for the gay community by asking God to give us opportunities to reach out to them. We need to hope God will help them overcome their caughtness. Let me ask you, do you have any gay friends? Do you know how to relate to them? Maybe, maybe another question is, do you want to relate to them? This brings us to the end of the podcast, and maybe one more important question is, can a Christian be gay? God chose to relate to you while sin had captured your soul. If a gay person becomes a Christian, he or she will more than likely be struggling with the gay lifestyle. Most do. This reality brings us back to the thrust of what Paul taught us in Galatians 6.1. If anyone is caught, you who are spiritual, come alongside that person. When God saved you, did he clean up all your sin? Have you brought sin issues into your salvation experience? Well, it seems like a gay person could, would, could, maybe, bring their pre-existing struggles into their salvation experience with the Lord. If sin has caught a person, they need your love, your grace, your mercy, your insightful patience, and biblical counsel to help them walk through their struggles. You can help them live out their repentance on a daily and weekly basis. I know several Christians with same-sex attraction temptations. It's not unusual for a Christian to struggle this way. Just as it's not unusual for any person to be born again and not be entirely sanctified. Imagine that. We all bring our peculiar sin struggles into our walk with the Savior. For the struggler, the issue is not whether he is struggling under the weight of temptation. The real problem is the hard attitude of the struggler. We should get past the point of Christian struggling because every Christian struggles. What we want to focus on is the heart attitude of the struggler. Are you trying to overcome your sin or are you trying to justify your lifestyle? Are you, are you trying to blame it on something? To defend or excuse your sin away is something every Christian has done to varying degrees. It is hard for anyone to honestly, transparently, and humbly own their sin. I may or may not have attempted to justify my sin a few times, if not many times. Self-deception is part of the nature of our fallenness. We all need to guard our hearts when it comes to the gay issue. 
The title of this podcast is The Gay Guy Said I Was Born This Way. You can read this entire podcast on our website, same title. Let me wrap it up here. I have a few thoughts, questions for you. If the gay lifestyle tempts you, if you're struggling this way, accept God's definition of the matter. It is a sin. And then number two, get some help. You're no different from me. I sin too. My sin may be different, but I sin too. You can get some help. And then number three, for those who who don't struggle this way, if you have an uncharitable attitude toward a gay person, I call you to repentance. As a fellow bum who needs the same kind of grace they do, you get some help so that you can be a competent minister of reconciliation. You're not going to be a minister of reconciliation if you have a sinful attitude toward the person because you don't like the kind of sin that they are captured by. You can't be the Pharisee in the temple thanking God for the way you are while you're looking down on another person who sins uniquely and differently from you. And so if you have a bad attitude toward a person caught in sin, let's just make it that general. If you have a bad attitude toward a person caught in sin, then you need to change your attitude so that you can be a minister of reconciliation. Now, I'm sure that this podcast will generate many questions in your mind. And as I said earlier, it would be a joy to serve you. I would love for you to come to our website, get on our free community forum, get your free username and password, and let's talk. Thank you so much for listening. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.